We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. On tonight's show, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Chris Lee of Southeastern14.com. We'll talk a little bit about some college basketball topics here on the weekend with the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. We'll also uh, talk, and then we'll dive a lot into uh, the big weekend ahead in SEC baseball. Preview all seven SEC series, including Florida at Ole Miss. We'll get to Chris in a minute. First, I want to tell you about Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-601. I'm sorry, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis or that area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. It's uh, getting warmer outside. You want to make sure that air conditioning unit is ready to go as we get into uh, the spring months and get closer to the summer months. So get in touch with our friends at Comer, our friends at Southern. They'll take great care of you, and please make sure you tell them that you heard about it on the podcast. Speaking of, this will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, the Oxford Exxon located on Highway 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Crystal, where you can enjoy the new Sunriser made with the larger round sausage. The combo is just $5.99. It's a great value to start your day right. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote. Within 15 minutes in business hours, you're going to love the product. You're going to really love the service. Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they'll go the extra mile for you. They care about being your car guy. They care about being your truck guy. I've learned that all month this month. It's been a uh, it's been a, a vehicle-oriented month at uh, the McCready House. and been thrilled that I have a relationship with uh, with Corey and the people at Clark Ford. They'll, they'll do the same thing for you when you make that call, 662-257-1900. Chris Lee and all guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands, if you're an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help. He is a guy who owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream. 
through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free, so you've got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. So here's my conversation with Chris Lee of southeastern14.com. Chris Lee of uh, Southeastern 14, also VandySports.com, kind enough uh, to spend some time with us here on this segment, a segment that is brought to you by LB's Meat Market, LB's 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, right across from Kroger. You don't need to go to Kroger. Just let Kroger be your landmark and then uh, head across the street to LB's, the freshest cuts of beef, pork, chicken, uh, fresh fish, house-made sausages, Stuffed jalapeno, stuffed mushrooms, the bacon-wrapped asparagus, and so much more at LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. Please make sure that you tell Greg and the people at LB's that you heard about them here on MPW Digital. Chris, how are you? Doing well. We've got a lot going on, man. You've got uh, coaching searches. we got basketball to watch. And uh, SEC baseball couldn't have picked a, a worse time to start. <laughs> You're a media guy. Let me ask you this. What did you think of Ole Miss's hiring of Chris Beard? We talked about it a little bit in Nashville. I think you you asked me, is it going to happen? And I said, yes. So you you, you kind of knew it would. But when it went down, any thoughts run through that head of yours? I mean, if you're looking for a basketball coach, he's what, top top five, top ten in the country? At, I mean, at least. You just want to win games? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, and, and let's be honest, I hope I'm not insulting you. That's that's a hire that they can't make under normal circumstances. It's more um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you're walking through the clearance aisle somewhere in a department store after, um, you know, after Christmas, and there's something you never dreamed of affording, and it's 90% off. Um, it's almost like, in a way, how can I not buy it at that point? Um, that, that, again, I'm not meaning to demean Ole Miss. No, it's a great, um, it's a great example. It's going through, and it's it's finding it's it's your uh, it's it's I'm, I think about this like from my daughter's standpoint. It's it's a seven hundred dollar purse that they have wanted that they could never afford. That they find it on a clearance rack, and it's forty eight ninety nine. And the lady says, "Well, there's this." See that little frayed mark right there? And they're like, that's it? You're like, that's it. I'm getting it. In other words, yeah, yeah it's got a damage. It's not pristine. And so we can't sell it at this. And I'm not minimizing what did or did not happen. Yet I'll say for the gazillionth time, only two people in the world know what really happened that night. And if they've agreed not to discuss it, then we're never really going to know, and you just move on. And obviously, Chris Beard knows that if anything were to happen again, not only is his career at Ole Miss over, but his career's over. What are the odds? I'll, I'll tell you, I think the odds are like zero. The odds are far more likely that he fields a very uh, competitive, relevant basketball team in year one at Ole Miss, threatens to make the tournament, makes the tournament, and their basketball program is on a level that it's had a very difficult time getting to over the last six years. Yeah. I mean, you, you just said everything that I, I would have said. I mean, look, there's, there's a human part where we look at it and 
it, it is what it is, and and I wasn't there either. Neither were you, and and. and the optics of it were pretty disgusting. There's no getting around that. But I think you're right. I think if nothing else happens again, it's going to be nothing more than a than a talking point in the past. I've been on the Ole Miss beat for 15 years. Okay? 15 years you and I have talked about this stuff. In 15 years, I've covered two NCAA tournament wins. Yeah. It, it, it gets old five. when you've got nothing but irrelevance to cover. I've covered five NCAA tournament games. In 15 years. Think about that. Two and two. And you and enjoy three. your basketball. I love basketball. So I'm covering a, an NCAA tournament game once every three years. Yeah. And uh, it, forget me for a minute. If you're Ole Miss, that's, that's not acceptable, right? I mean, you know, we were talking about, there was this debate about Eric Musselman at Arkansas and, 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 um, you know, him taking the shirt off and people like, oh, he's a douche. He's a weirdo, whatever. I'm like, you know what? He's won eight NCAA tournament games going into the Thursday game against Connecticut. He's won eight NCAA tournament games in three years. The 99.9% of their fan base goes, whatever. He's our guy. This is fun. Three years in a row, you're in the second weekend. I mean, that's if you're Ole Miss, you're like, let's recreate that because that's fun. The tournament's fun for a fan, for a fan base. It's it's electric, frankly. And when you win a tournament game, it's just kind of this weird, it's a weird, it's a different feeling when you win a game in the NCAA tournament than, than it is anything else. It's just got this different feel to it. And when you get to a second weekend and you win a Sweet 16 game, man, it's just an electricity that goes through a fan base that I'm not sure that there's too many things that compare to it. Maybe... Maybe winning in Omaha, uh, maybe maybe when you win a college football playoff game, it's something like that. But it's it's electric, it's different, and, and I think Chris Beard has proven that he wins games and gets to the NCAA tournament and wins games in the tournament. And I'll be frankly surprised if he doesn't do it at Ole Miss. Well, and it's the one time you're on a national stage is in March. Yeah, um, and especially if you're Ole Miss, um, you're not going to be in a national stage unless you're in an NCAA tournament. It's you know. You could win the NIT, doesn't really matter. But this is the time. It's when everybody's doing brackets, everybody's talking about it, everybody's watching. And you know, here's the other thing. You know, you look at the roster of coaches in this league. I, I hate to make statements and say like this is the best ever because you you forget about certain pockets. But um, I can't name other than maybe Kentucky a, a single fan base who's just really maybe I'm forgetting someone just disgusted with their coaching situation right now. And and if they were to get rid of Calipari, he would have five offers within an hour because of his yes. ability to recruit. Um, no, you're right. I mean, you look around the league. I mean, Rick Barnes at, at Tennessee and Bruce Pearl and Buzz Williams, who I'm super big fan of. And um, we, we just mentioned Musselman and and uh, the job that Gates did at, at uh, Missouri this year was just off the charts. And um, I think Todd Golden's a rising star at, at Florida. I really like watching him coach. I like, like watching his teams. They they would have been bubblish if Castleton had not gotten hurt. Um, you know, look, Stackhouse is a really good X and O coach. I mean, his teams are are always eminently prepared. I, he, I can't decide whether what I think of him, I, watching, just kind of watching him and listening to him sometimes, I, I don't know, I can't figure it out, but but he's a very good coach. And, um, you know, Chris Jans 
did a really good job in year one at Mississippi State and is a is is a strong team builder, program builder. The list just kind of goes on. It's a, it's it's a it's a I'm, I'm sure I left someone out. It's a it's a brutally difficult league, and then you add Chris Beard to it. Chris Beard was in overtime in the national championship game against Virginia. Could have easily won you the know, game. I, yeah, I mean it's I'm I'm being repetitive. And by the way, my apologies to the audience. I've been getting over a cold, as you can probably hear it in my voice. But um, yeah, it's Chris. They're used the, to the league to my is terrible voice, so you, you, <laughs> no. your voice is fine. The uh, the the league is definitely bought in in basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I left out Nate Oates. Uh, he's got Alabama as yeah. the number one overall seed. I knew I was leaving someone out. I mean, you got four teams. Four of the sixteen teams in the Sweet Sixteen are from the SEC. Um, all season people are like, oh, the league's watered down. I kept saying, I don't think it is, man. I I, I don't. I, I think the league's pretty damn good. There was there was this middle of the league. Alabama was up at the top, and they were so good, and Texas A&M kind of kept separating themselves, and, and then there was this glut of teams. The game that I keep coming back to um, <clears throat> was um, Thursday at the SEC tournament. It was the 6 o'clock game. It was the 7-10 game. 7-10 game between Auburn and Arkansas, and I was sitting with Kirk Sampson, the longtime Auburn SID, who's a really good friend of mine, big Cubs fan as well. We were mostly basically talking Cubs and stuff, and, and I kept looking out there. And at one point, Auburn and Arkansas go on this run of plays. And I was like, dude, that's the, this is the 7-10 game. This is the 7-10 game. And it just is all you needed to know about how good the league is. I mean, Arkansas was the 10 seed. Yeah, Blake Lovell and I were sitting there having the same conversation. And, and, and two things, I don't want to go, to go too deep off – the, the path into the weeds here, but number one, that whole slate of Thursday night games was the best I ever remember in the SEC tournament. Like they were all compelling. Um, everybody had something to play for. And by the way, you could probably argue now that Vanderbilt should have been the ninth team in the tournament. Um, yeah, I, I think had had a had a compelling case. And, and number two, that that building was. Have you ever seen that building more full on a Wednesday night? No, it was. I was not expecting that. You know, John Brady was sitting in front of me, the former uh, LSU coach. And um, <clears throat> he was sitting next to some of the Ole Miss radio guys because um, I guess he was waiting for, yeah, he was waiting for LSU's broadcast. He's part of the LSU broadcast crew. And the Ole Miss-South Carolina game was kind of heading down the stretch on Wednesday night. And um, John Brady just loves basketball. And, and, you know, the game was good and the game was kind of, you know, it's a tournament game and even bad tournament teams, even bad teams get into tournament games. And John had the smile on his face and he turned and looked back at me and he's caught me kind of looking at the crowd like, this place is packed. This is Ole Miss and South Carolina, two teams that combined are seven and, let me do my math here, seven and 29 in the league. <laughs> These two teams, they're going nowhere. Neither of these teams are going anywhere. At the at the end of this, one of these teams is going home tonight, and at the end of this, one of these teams is probably going home tomorrow afternoon. This is this is meaningless basketball, and the game that you're waiting on, LSU Georgia, is every bit as meaningless. Neither one of those two teams are going anywhere. Like, why are you people here? Did someone tell you that hey, we moved the tournament up or whatever? And John goes, I've never seen it this full. And I said, I haven't either. This is, it's usually kind of ghost town. 
And it wasn't that night. And someone goes, did they let everybody in for free? And I'm like, even if they did, this is still impressive. You still and it just a show. It just yeah. had this feel to it. And you're like, man, this is, I kept saying, because what I'd been saying all along was, look, if you're Ole Miss and you can hire Chris Beard, you got to do it. And here's why. And and then Thursday, right? Like Ole Miss played Tennessee at 2.30 and um, I did Feinbaum's show and then I came back and I finished my writing and I went out and watched with Kirk, as I mentioned, the first half of that Arkansas-Auburn game. And that place was electric, man, for that game. And and you're like, look, both of these teams are going to the tournament. Both of these teams are interesting. Both of these teams have kind of fun coaches to watch. I could watch Bruce Pearl coach against Derek Musselman all day. It's just, there's just such a ton of energy on that sideline. It's just kind of fun. And people could say, well, Pearl's weird and Musselman's weird. Whatever. I don't care. Whatever. It's fun to watch. I mean, if you like basketball, you're entertained. And, and you know, I was thoroughly entertained. And, but still, that wasn't Alabama coming in. That wasn't. Kentucky, you know, you you expect Kentucky to show up and the place to turn into a sea of blue and all that stuff. But it was fun. And 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 I think I think the league's gotten super healthy with basketball. I talked to Rick Barnes earlier on Wednesday, just me and him, and he's like, You look, we're gonna add Texas and Oklahoma. And it's gonna be even better. And it is. I mean, that that tournament's gonna go to 16 teams in in two seasons. And it's going to be a blast when you add Texas to it and you add Oklahoma to it. And um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's there's you look around the landscape of the league right now. There's there's not one program, with the possible exception of South Carolina, there's not one program that you look at and go, yeah, they're in trouble. They got no chance. Everybody, no, else, that that's true. And, and they, they you, played. A, you can make an argument for everybody else. Well, and even Carolina played at the end of the season when there was nothing to play for. And when uh, Paris and Gigi Smith got sideways for a bit and you thought, yeah. well, you know, this that might might not end well. It, it, it ended better. They won some games. He got engaged again. And that I thought that told you something, too. Yeah. No, Gigi Jackson ended up at the end of the Gigi season. Gigi Jackson, excuse yeah, me. I said Gigi Smith. That's okay. He ended up playing extremely well. Like that night against Ole Miss, he he damn near brought them back and and got them that game. I mean, he was he was the best player on that, that like that night I was watching, well, this is why the NBA loves this guy. I mean, you can see why he's got this this skill set, a, a a a tool set that they they think they can play with over time. No doubt. All right, let's talk some baseball, SEC baseball going into week number two. We're going to uh, get into the the series this weekend. It's uh, Which one starts on Thursday? It's Georgia-Auburn, uh, I think. I think that's right. Let me make sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Georgia, Georgia's at Auburn on a third, as you watch this today, Thursday. And then the rest of the uh, series this weekend, Texas A&M is at Tennessee. Missouri is at South Carolina. Vanderbilt at Mississippi State. Kentucky is at Alabama, Florida is at Ole Miss, and Arkansas is at LSU. So we'll dive into those series in a minute. Before we do, uh, Chris, is there any big takeaway? We'll probably we'll reference last weekend a lot as we talk about this weekend. Is there any big takeaway that stuck out to you from weekend number one in the SEC? I think it was sweeps. Sweeps are really hard to get, and we had five of them last weekend, which is – Man, that's a lot. I don't. Do you ever remember? I mean, not like we keep a record of, of of an opening weekend of SEC play 
where you had five teams that swept each other. Now, four of those were at home. One was on the road. Uh, that was South Carolina going to Georgia and winning. And then this week, you've got, you, unfortunately, I, I guess for, for the teams that got swept, you've only got two of those teams that were swept that match up with each other. That's Georgia-Auburn. So, loser, that one's going to go home either 0-6 or a 1-5, and uh, which is not a place you want to be. But, yeah. um, yeah, and then, then you've got some other teams on the spot, Tennessee being one for reasons we'll get into. And then you've got the only two 3-0 and matchups. That's Missouri and South Carolina, which probably wouldn't have been teams that were at the <laughs> top of everybody's list. But but I think they're both pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I said, um, hey, in weekend two, you're going to have uh, one, one matchup of undefeated teams go. I don't think you would have yeah. said, you know what, I'm going to take Missouri no. South Carolina. Yeah, because one was on the road and the other – was facing Tennessee. Uh that that would have been I don't know what the odds on that one would have been, but if you if you had them, you, you probably are a lot richer today. Yeah, I don't even know who I would have picked. I, I think I probably would have said uh probably would have said maybe Kentucky, Alabama. Uh, yeah. And then maybe Arkansas, LSU, or maybe would have said, well, LSU, as good as they are, could sweep Texas A&M on the road, and, and Arkansas could sweep Auburn at home. Maybe I'd, I'd go that route. But I, I don't I don't know that I would have picked any of them. And so, yeah, to your point, five sweeps in a weekend was kind of wild. Yeah, and, and uh, the one in my backyard, Ole Miss and, and Vandy, I, that, that one was, if you'd said before the weekend, Vandy's about to sweep Ole Miss, I'd have been pretty floored by that one too. So. Um, All right, let's let's let's. I, I saw. I told Chase this earlier in the week. I I do not watch a lot of college baseball before the SEC season rolls around, and then I try to really consume a ton of it. Um, I watched at least parts of six of seven series. I did not see any of Georgia and South Carolina, so I'm. I, I, I guess I I don't get an A. I get a I get a solid B for my performance last weekend. Uh, we'll start with Georgia at Auburn, since they start on Thursday night. I can't comment on Georgia. They're 0-3. I'm, I'm sure it didn't go well. They're not pleased. I, I did watch a good bit of Auburn and Arkansas. Um, probably the third series that I watched the most of behind Ole Miss Vanderbilt and, and uh, LSU Texas A&M. LSU Texas A&M was kind of compelling. Um, I told you this about Auburn as they get ready to face Georgia at home. What struck me about them was their pitching especially starting pitching was just kind of mediocre. It was, it was, it was okay. Um, it, it didn't get mauled by, by Arkansas, but Arkansas was able to jump out to leads in all three games and then, you know, go to their bullpen and, and, and Arkansas got, we'll talk about them a little later, but they got, they got some pretty solid starting pitching all three days. Auburn just kind of got average starting pitching and Auburn's lineup. It has some impressive, uh, hitters at the top, but it doesn't have the depth of uh, maybe the Arkansas lineup that they were facing. And, and they just, they really didn't have much of a chance in any of those three games, which sort of surprised me. I didn't know what to expect going into that weekend, but I guess Auburn coming off of the college world series appearance, uh, I, I kind of expected Auburn would get at least one game in, in Arkansas and they never really threatened for any of them. So they, they head into week two with a ton of pressure against Georgia because look, you, you don't want to get buried early in SEC play. And so there's, there's pressure on, on Auburn to win a couple this weekend. 
Yeah, and for full disclosure, I was I was battling a, a nasty cold and, and trying to watch basketball and baseball at the same time. So I didn't get to see much of that one at all. Um, I think the, the thing to me is Auburn's really hurting about Joseph Gonzalez, Neil. He was the, the Team USA guy they had last year. They announced today he's got, I think, probably going to be out six more weeks. They're using John Armstrong as sort of the guy like they use Burkhalter. Uh, the, the kid the Braves took in the second round is their super reliever. I, I don't think his stuff is nearly as good. Um, I, I just think that you – they lost a lot of pitching a year ago, and it feels to me like losing Gonzalez – I'm not going to say it's going to be a death blow for them yet because Butch Thompson's teams have been pretty resilient, and you've seen him at the end of the years. They'll, they'll play their best baseball. Um, and, and maybe sometimes make an NCAA tournament and make a run when you think they're not even going to get in. But I'm not sure they've got enough pitching to to get back. And starting in an 0 3 hole is um, kind of a kind of a bad spot to be in that spot. You know, they started Tommy Vale on, I guess the the, the Friday, and and he's got a 2.55 ERA. Um, he he's he was solid. They just didn't support him at all, and then. They, yeah. they went to uh, Crotchfelt on um, on Saturday. Uh, his ERA is a lot more inflated than that. He's pushing a five ERA. Um, kind of looking. You sent me some advanced numbers. I'm sort of looking at his advanced numbers. Gets kind of gets gets hit a lot. Um, has two point three percent home run percentage, uh, which is a little high. Vail, okay. Yeah, Vale's is just one point five. Vale actually gave them a, a winnable outing. But then after that, you start diving into the rest of their arms, and 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 you get, you get way down the list in in SEC play with kind of where the guys that they're counting on in terms of of production, where those guys are, and it it showed over that weekend. And I don't know enough about them to know what they'll, how they'll recover from it. But without Gonzalez, it's kind of like you know Ole Miss without Hunter Elliott. We'll talk about this when you don't have that starter at the top. Yeah, counting on every Friday night, everything gets bounced back a little, and roles kind of get exposed. If you want to do a really good exercise for sizing teams up for a weekend, don't don't look at team ARA and that kind of thing, but just start looking and saying, okay, how how can I get through twenty seven innings without it getting ugly over over a weekend? And after their top three or four guys, and, and you're looking at the same thing I am, that's that's where it really seems to fall apart on them. And that, that's just a tough spot to be with with baseballs flying out of parks at the rate they are right now. And we, we're not even to warm weather yet, Neil. That's, that's another topic is the home run numbers and the power numbers are just crazy. Uh, and we're seeing this, you know, where, where games are being played in 40 degrees and all kinds of stuff too. And that, that really worries me for the teams that don't have pitching. Texas A&M and Tennessee, they get started uh, on Friday uh, evening in Knoxville. Uh, Texas A&M got a game against LSU, which, quite frankly, is an accomplishment. Anytime you beat LSU once, you should be, hey, let's, it could have been worse. It could have, LSU's elite. We'll talk about them uh, at the end with their series with Arkansas. But I, I, I watched a lot of this Tennessee series at Missouri. And first of all, some credit to Mizzou, and the numbers bear this out. They're pitching the ball pretty well. I mean, they've got a handful of guys up kind of near the top. Um, Zach Franklin, 
um, Tony Newbeck, Chandler Murphy, uh, all all these guys, uh, Austin Troser, uh, all these guys, kind of in the top twenty-ish arms in the SEC from a, a number standpoint. And, th- and they hit it okay. They had some timely hitting. They they were they were a solid defensive team. And it's easy to say, well, Tennessee, it's a small sample size, and um, you know they 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 do have the the two elite arms at the top in Burns and and Dollander, and and their their numbers continue to bear out just how elite they are. That being said, Chris, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm worried offensively, and mm-hmm. I'm, and you've covered a lot more of this than I have. I kind of wonder if this is a distracted program. I kind of wonder if this is a uh, a marked program a little bit. They are they have embraced the role of villain to the point that everyone hates them and that everyone wants to destroy them and everyone gets up for them and when you are a super elite team as they were a year ago, that's okay. Like LSU could get away with that this year where everyone goes I hate those guys and want to go after them. But if you're not elite that can end up costing you games and spots. And I sort of think that's what we're seeing with Tennessee. Please feel free to tell me I'm wrong. We could do a whole hour, I think, on Tennessee right now. Because I th- I think that whole thing could go so many ways. Um, first of all, they, they started the season distracted. They had their shortstop not cleared by the NCAA for, for two weeks, whatever it was. They got a coach suspended. Did you? I don't know if you got a chance. You probably didn't, but I made a point of watching his press conference after the um, whoever they beat in the midweek yesterday because I wanted to see how he handled it. He will, he will say a lot of stuff. He will say exactly what's on his mind, um, and I wanted to see his body language and everything because I thought there was some interesting stuff going on last weekend. Uh, first of all, he got run in one of those games, and then in, I think it was game three, and I watched a lot of that doubleheader on Sunday. They had a play at first base where they called the first base for his foot being off the bag. Now, watching on TV looked to me like he had a lot of cleat on the bag, but the umpire was watching very intently, and I don't think they had a an angle that could have overturned it, and it almost struck me as they were really looking for something there. Um, it was a play that I think ended up scoring a run or two, kept the inning. It was in a big spot, and it went against them. And they would repeatedly look, put the camera on him in the dugout. And he did mention that it was like Green Bay Packer weather up there. Uh, but he's sitting over there with the with the red face and blurry eyes, and he just looked like he was just in a daze. And maybe that's how I would feel too uh, if I was in. 30 something degree weather with wind or whatever, but it just, the, the body language is really interesting. Yeah. Missouri was playing in the same elements. Yeah. Well, they, they were. And and then in his press conference Tuesday, and this was at the first of it, you can watch. He said something about the, the hot water being turned off for them. And that's where he went to school. Uh, that they didn't have any hot water. They were just trying to get out of there as quickly as, as could. And then made a reference to, that's what teams complained about here last year too. I mean, it was just it was really bizarre. Um, so th- there's that, but I'm 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 with you. I wonder they pissed a lot of people off last year. Is it 
I'm sure that Tony Vitello has an edge to him naturally, but it feels like some of this is really artificial. And and now it's like, well, we've created this persona, so we have to feed it. And so I, I kind of expected a yeah. little bit or thought maybe they would dial it back this year. Um, after you watch the entire nation become Notre Dame baseball fans for 24 hours last summer, you know, kind of wondered if maybe they thought, ah, maybe we took it a step too far. Let's dial it back just a little bit. Let's just play baseball. We have some talented baseball players. So let's play baseball. And instead it feels like, no, no, yeah. we, we, we must be this, this program. We must be this, this evil empire. And I don't think it works. And so when you stop being who you are and you get lost a little bit, it, I, I think it negatively impacts your production. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's like, well, could, it'd be like me sitting here trying to be like Skip Bayless or something. Yeah. If I did that several days in a row after a while, I would just lose it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be any good. If I forgot kind of who I was or a hitter getting into a slump, right? So he starts completely changing his approach. And before you know it, the slump gets deeper. You're, you're right. You know, the, the answer usually is no, just be who you are. It's okay. It's going to work out. You're good. And I, I, I feels like Batello has gone to a place that he wasn't comfortable, and now he doesn't know how to find his way back. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hear, I hear two sets of things about him. I know some people that have covered him and, and really like him. And when you, I don't. Did you get a chance to see the draft last year? The MLB uh, draft. Some of it, yeah. He was there in studio, guy. He was tremendous. He was charming because I think he's got all the stuff in his tool bag. Um, to, to be successful and, and also to be likable at the same time. And the, I don't know if you call it a character or whatever, the, the, the role of villain that they've embraced to me, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been odd and it's, it's put, I think it's put a target on them. It, it, it seems to me. Agreed. All right. Um, who, who do you like this weekend in that series? I think I like Tennessee, but like I said, we could do an hour on this team alone because there's some interesting stuff with them right now. They're 0-5 against top 50 RPI teams right yep. now. Yep. So this is when you start looking at resumes. and it's, it's not just how good are you, it's what have you accumulated. Their next four weekends, Neil, after A&M this weekend, they go to LSU, they host Florida, they go to Arkansas, they host Fandy. Ooh. Those are four of the top five teams in D1's poll right now. The only team that's not in there is Wake Forest, which is in the ACC. Um, Say those think about so this. A&M, A and LSU. A&M, LSU, Florida, Florida, Arkansas, Vandy. I mean, of those 15, you could easily – you could end up 5-10 and 10 in those 15 games, 6-9 and nine in those 15 games, and you look up and you're 6-12 and 12 in the league, and you're, you're in trouble. Easy. Yeah, I mean, you go you – go, you go one and two each of the next four weekends, and then you're, you add that to zero and three. Uh, you're what four and eleven at that point. Yeah. And actually, we're yeah. You know, that's that's five series. We're missing one. Add another one and three, and you're you're five. I mean, you, you, what I guess what I'm getting at. Now I think they're good. I think when you start counting the outs, they put the hitting aside from it. They can still pitch. Yeah. They got quality dudes in their rotation at the top, although, you know, Missouri sure hit them last weekend. And they got depth in the bullpen. But 
you've got to start beating teams that the best teams they have played so far have all beaten them. And this is the point in their schedule where they, again, I don't know if this is, <laughs> this is the baseball universe coming back to get them, but that schedule is brutal out of the gate. And, and the one thing that you would have thought was a layup in the first six weekends, they got beat 23 to six on that one. Yeah, it's not like they lost a, a collection of five to four games. Right. They right. got popped. They got popped a little bit. Even the game that was relatively close uh, finished up on, on Sunday, the seven to four game. Um, that was seven to two. And if Missouri's right fielder doesn't drop a ball, it's in seven yep. to two. Yeah. And and right. he started yesterday, he started three different guys in his starting lineup that almost never start, which I thought was interesting too. Well, look, there were whispers about their bats last year. There was there was talk about them. I just a lot of scrutiny on that program. Sometimes yes. sometimes when everybody's watching for stuff, you it's harder to you know, it's hard to you're not I'm not accusing them of anything except for the fact that people accused them of a lot of things last year. Well, I, I don't know how much play this has gotten in Oxford, but you know the the stuff for the, the SEC has sort of taken the bull by the horns with equipment stuff this year. And, you know, the, you had the sticker stuff last year and the checks, but a lot of that was being done by managers. The scrutiny that was on them and other teams last year, and I, I don't think the league wanted this publicized, but the bat checks this year are done by the umpires. And instead of checking every bat once and having the team managers do it, it's going to be done by the umpiring crew, which I don't think is probably incredibly thrilled about that because it's get to the park earlier and it's more work. But the stuff that the teams and, and players were getting away with last year, and I'm not pointing a finger at any one particular player or team because I think it probably happened a lot of places. The ways that teams could get bats through inspections this year uh, or, or last year are way different than what's going to happen this year. And I think they're also doing glove checks occasionally. Uh, they're looking for substances more. I don't know what that looks like more. Um, but it's interesting to me. You you saw a lot of a lot of teams that didn't put up many runs last weekend um, in in conference opening play. And I, I don't know if that was coincidence, if that was cold weather, or, or what that was. But the the scrutiny on stuff on the whole on everybody is going to be a lot different this year. And I'm I'm very interested to see how that's going to play out across a lot of places. All right, we talked about Missouri. They had two uh, Columbia battle of undefeated SEC teams. Um, this this is kind of interesting because if Missouri could find a way to win a couple of games in 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 uh, Columbia, South Carolina, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I don't think anybody had Missouri penciled as a as a NCAA tournament contender. But if they woke up at five and one in the league, they could start thinking about it. They're nationally ranked this week, uh, which is an accomplishment for them. Is there any chance at all that Mizzou's the surprise of the league? I think the answer to this is no, um, because you were knee deep in what was about to be a coaching search. Did you get a chance to watch any of them the first weekend when they played in Arlington? I didn't. I just saw some scores, but I didn't. I didn't watch any of that. I, I made a point to watch them because they're they're not a team that you get to see a lot, and certainly you don't get to see them play good teams early. When they played in Arlington, they were hitting lasers all over that park, um, which I didn't necessarily expect to see. But you look across that lineup; they got Luke Mann, Trevor Austin, Ty Wilmsmeyer, a lot of guys. Ross Lovich played a lot of ball in the league, and one way to to get good in the league quickly, and AM did this last year, was get your lineup old. And, and by the way, Alabama's another team I'd say about this too. Um, when you start seeing a lot of guys that you've been seeing play in this league for, for three and four years, that kind of gets my attention. Now, the bottom half of their lineup isn't great, but when you've got five, six guys who can really hit it, and, and they hit it against Tennessee last weekend, which is a, a top five pitching staff in the country, and they, they got... They got six extra base hits off Chase Dolander, Neil, who I would have had as a top pitcher in the league. Uh, now, now that one's changed now. It's obviously Skeens, but yeah, when when they hit him last weekend, that that got my attention. And like you mentioned this earlier, they've got just enough guys to pitch. They've got probably five or six arms that that are getting outs right now. I, I don't know about the you know seven, eight, nine beyond. That may be where they get in trouble. And I think having a seven inning. Uh, two seven-inning games in a doubleheader last week probably helped them a lot more than it helped Tennessee because Tennessee's got a lot more depth. So they, they caught a break last weekend. But, man, this is a team that's that's a lot older. Uh, he's rebuilt his pitching staff through the portal, um, kept those guys in his lineup. And, and when I've watched him with the eye test and I've watched him now play Tennessee and play some Big 12 teams, uh, they, they've looked like they're no fluke to me. We'll, we'll see how it holds up, but they've looked good. Uh, Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. The uh, Commodores sweep Ole Miss last weekend, which I know surprised you. I, I, I guess it surprised me too. It surprised me that just how dominant it kind of was for for Vanderbilt. It was it, it happened pretty easily. A run rule, and then um, kind of a, a blowout win, and then they were down two nothing on on Sunday and came racing back and 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 won pretty easily uh, against Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State two years removed from a national title and they look terrible, which is a, it's, it's really weird. They looked awful against Kentucky uh, yeah. to the point. And we'll talk about Kentucky in a minute because they go to Alabama, but 
you know, to the point that I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't even pay much attention to Kentucky because of the way Mississippi State was struggling. But uh, Vanderbilt goes to Starkville. This is a, a big moment for Mississippi State because you're obviously playing a team like Vanderbilt that can pitch it the way that they do. And if you get in trouble here this weekend, lose on Friday, lose on Saturday, and suddenly you're staring one and five or zero oh and six square in the face. That that can be that can be pretty daunting. What do you? This will be one you'll be watching. Obviously, you cover Vanderbilt. What are your thoughts on on this one? Well, last weekend shocked me. Uh, in fact, if you've made me make a pick last weekend, I would take an Ole Miss to win that series, even in Nashville. Vanderbilt had hitting, been hitting the ball so badly. Uh, the last two, three weeks, it has just been watching an endless parade of ground balls with that team. And I, I'm, I'm not accusing them of anything, but the way they hit last week, it was almost like they had the signs or something. Uh, now, Corbin lit into them pretty good after the Loyola game uh, two weekends ago, the, the Sunday finale, and maybe it got their attention, but their approach looked a lot different. They got more aggressive in fastball counts, and I think Ole Miss just ran into some guys that weren't throwing strikes and, and kind of paid for it, but that wasn't what I was expecting. Um, also, think, didn't think Hunter Owen was going to throw a complete game two hitter. Now, he's got good stuff. But he's his first year back from an injury. He was starting to pitch really well for them a year ago. He's a really talented lefty. He's got a, a really good fastball and a mid-70s breaking ball that are really working for him. And he did something. You don't see this often. You don't see a lot of guys throw complete games, and you really don't see a guy throwing a complete game under 100 pitches. Uh, to do that against Ole, whatever Ole Miss's issues are right now, they're, they're generally not been hitting. So I, I, I was really – Really impressed with the way Vanderbilt handled that series, both sides. Um, State, man, if, if you had asked me after they won the whole thing in Omaha two years ago, if you'd said, because State's lost 14 straight SEC games coming into this one, which is alarming. You look at the pitching numbers, State has walked this year. This is crazy. Um 135 guys and 192 and two-thirds innings, and it's hit 26. Both those, let's see. Well, one of those leads the league. The hit-by-pitch is second to Florida. They just You start looking down the, the getting 27 outs game with them. After about three or four guys, it starts to really, really drop off. Um, and I don't know when Cade Smith is back or if he's back. That was their best starter coming into the year. He's been out for a while. That's really hurt them. This is a spot for Vandy that I think that they're going to walk into a hostile place that that's not <laughs> big fans of their baseball program. And, and you kind of think that because State can hit, although Kentucky really shut that lineup down pretty well last weekend. It, it, I almost look at this one and go, Neil, they, surely they can't lose another series, right? But by, I don't, by I don't know. Clubs. I think they. I, I would pick Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I'll pick Vandy. I just wonder, like, surely they're not going to get swept in this one, right? Um, I mean, the math says that they're due to win a game, but right, they're going to, to, they're going to have to play dramatically better than they've played against than they played against Kentucky. They 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 they, they didn't play well pre SEC, and Vanderbilt's got the pitching to win. Friday to win Saturday to go into Sunday with a pretty healthy bullpen and some confidence and sure I mean if you maybe pick I'd pick Vanderbilt wins two out of three but if you told me there was a sweep I wouldn't even hesitate to tell you Vanderbilt swept them 
this this is how bad state's pitching is and you're looking at the same things i am i, I look at right. runners per innings pitch that's a, that's a good because if you if you got runners on all the time you're either in the middle of a disaster or you're about to be in the middle of one yeah. in, in their top brip i got it up I, yeah. I think they i think they've i think they've only got two guys on their roster that are turning in anything in the life you play fantasy baseball this is this is basically whip Plus, you add in hit by pitches, which are a bigger deal in, in college baseball. They got two guys below 1.4 on the whole staff. Yeah, Gartman. Other than the two guys at the bottom have thrown an inning each. I, Gart- I just don't think Gartman that's a good recipe Sig- to get through a weekend. Yeah, Gartman and Sagente. That's that's it. Everybody else is. Who's the uh, who's the, the switch pitcher they've got? I haven't seen that yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. That's that's not Dom, is it? I don't know. No, that's 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 something different. But um, yeah, I mean they they are. Dom is the one guy that's been getting outs for them consistently. Uh, and 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 after that, it's just and again, that's where they miss um, Cade Smith. But like, here's the, I look at the names they've got, like Parker Stanett, who struggled for them last year, is not even pitchable for them on the staff anymore. Um, which again, he's one of the, the guys at Casey Hunt has fallen off a cliff. I, I, I don't get it, man. I, I just thought with all the talent, with the, with the way they have coached pitching and, and I know he's like it, it, I'm not going to say his seat's gotten hot. I don't know what the temperature is, but you, you see the Twitter outbursts every weekend and it's, it's not been really pretty there. Yeah, it's a big weekend for them, no question. Uh, big weekend opportunity for Kentucky. They're 3-0. and uh, Alabama is 1-2, and but Alabama played Florida well. This this should be an entertaining series. Um, an opportunity for the Wildcats to get off to a hot start and feel good about themselves. And and I think and I think Alabama will prove it this weekend. I think Alabama's a pretty good team. Yeah, two really old lineups. Alabama's is like, the, it seems like Alabama's been rolling the same lineup out there for three years. Their starting pitching had been quite what I think people hope, but they've got a little bit of depth there. Kentucky, Neil, I think their entire lineup, because I talked to Minjone before the season, I literally think their entire lineup is is nine new transfers. And they're kids that have played for for three and four years somewhere else, which again, that's what AM did a year ago. They're not names that people know yet, but between that and their pitching's been really good so far. And by the way, they're they're number three in the RPI right now. Um, so if you wonder about Kentucky getting the NCAA tournament, that's a team that just needs to keep winning games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- those those are two teams that are that are old, and that's that's something that has worked really well in the SEC lately. Any thoughts on how that one's going to go, Kentucky and Bama? Let's see. That one is. No one's in Bama, right? In Tuscaloosa, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably go Bama just because it's home, and I still feel like, like I'm still getting used to what Kentucky is because they're guys that have played, but they're guys that I've not seen play because they've been playing in other leagues. Um, it feels like if Alabama gets better starting pitching, that that's one that it should win. But th- they're starting pitching. McNary has struggled. He's not been what I think they thought they that he'd be. Grayson Hitt's been kind of dominant but wild at the same time. I'll, I'll take Alabama because that one's at home, but 
that that one is is really interesting. Yeah, Kentucky, by the way, nineteen and two overall, three and zero in the league, fourteen and one at home, five and one on the road. In case you're wondering about Alabama, the uh, the Tide is eighteen and four overall, fifteen and two at home, one and two in the league. So uh, that 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 should be a really fun series. An interesting series is the one here in Oxford this weekend, Chris. Uh, Florida comes in nineteen and four overall. They're two and one in the league. They are three and zero on the road. Uh, they play an Ole Miss team that just got swept at Vanderbilt. As we referenced, the defending national champs are fifteen and six, zero and three in the league. Ole Miss is uh, twelve and two at home, and they really need to get well this weekend against against a very talented uh, Florida team. That is going to be, if you're Ole Miss, that's going to be a how quickly they can get into the bullpen is going to be really key there because they got three starters that are studs. Sproke threw a complete game two-hitter last week. Um, the, the wildness is still a factor with him, but um, nobody's been hitting him. Waldrop is a kid that transferred from, was it Southern Miss, I think? Yeah, he was from Southern Miss. Yeah, and he's a first-round guy, and Cagliano is, is the best I guess two-way player in the country. He's what ninety-eight on the on the bump and got thirteen home runs. Uh, no, their bullpen. Some of the guys that they counted on a year ago are not delivering from them, and they are issuing a crap ton of free passes right now, which is kind of surprising with the talent they've got. But man, they are also hitting too. And uh, the way Ole Miss pitched last weekend, uh, that's that's. Uh, a little bit scary of a proposition heading into that one. Ole Miss passed out a lot of free passes, which is, in this league can get you uh, get you beat in a hurry. It's it's the thing they've got to get fixed. I think obviously they need to get Hunter Elliott back. They need to get Riley Maddox back, but that that isn't going to happen right away. And so the guys that are pitching, they've got to pound that strike zone a, a little bit more than they're doing. I mean, that was the big thing against Vanderbilt was you you give up free passes to a team that's that comes into a weekend not hitting a lot. Well, a walk's as good of a hit, as good as a hit in that situation. And then suddenly you get a couple of timely hits and teams start feeling good about themselves and games get out of hand. And Ole Miss offensively should be better than what they were at Vanderbilt. It's a it's a really strong lineup. But, you know, I do think sometimes offensive players start to press a little when they feel like, hey, our pitching's going to struggle and we got to get got to do it right now. And you start trying to hit the eight-run home run. And I'm not saying that happened, but, there were times that it sort of looked that way over the weekend. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think if you're Ole Miss, again, you, you try to get into their bullpen and, and you hope you get better starts. Um, Revis looked good, I thought, at, at times in that game. But he, what he's a, I believe he was a D2 guy um, from Indianapolis. So he's pitching against the SEC for the first time. Sonier's uh, obviously base really, is really talented. His BRIP, base yeah. runners uh, per inning pitched, is uh, 1.43. So he's right at that cutoff of where you're you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you could see where it works for him. Sonia right now is just walking too many guys. Yeah, 2.1 base runners per innings pitched is, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean, I know he was talented, and he's a, a first-round type talent and everything, but doing it in the SEC and learning that way is – I mean, you don't see a lot of kids that that come in the SEC as, as talented guys that just shoved the first year. I mean, I, I don't think that – I don't think any – you tell me, I don't think a team in the league has been more impacted by an injury this year than Hunter Elliott and Ole Miss because 
when you've got a Friday night tone setter, uh, and he would have been that for them, that that changes the complexion of everything. Because if you go out of Friday losing that game and having started to eat into your bullpen depth, that just makes it really hard to win the rest of the weekend. And then, and having them, he could have pitched with anybody in the league, Neil, the way he threw in Omaha a year ago. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, he was, he was absolutely dominant the second half of the season. He was the reason he and, and Delusia were the reason they made the postseason. He and Delusia were the reason they went on the run in the postseason. And it was the opposite. Those bats got hot in large part because they started going, Hey, we're going to pitch well. Let's just go get some hits. We'll, we'll eventually get to them. And then they did. And, um, you know, the rest, you know, the rest of that story. And, and so now they don't, they don't have Elliot. So you have to move Jack Dougherty from, um, from the bullpen where he's most effective into a starting role, which depletes your bullpen. And I don't know that you look at Jack Darty and, and go, okay, well, this is a guy that's, that's a dominant Friday night arm. I, I don't, I don't know that he's that it's the only one that's close to it is Gonzalez losing him for Auburn. Is, it forces the same thing. Instead of having a Saturday guy go suddenly he's going on Friday instead of a guy that would normally go in the midweek, he's your Sunday guy and it gets in people's heads. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, LSU lost a starter, but they have so much else that they could overcome it. Um, Arkansas lost Wiggins, and some people pointed at that, but I don't know that Wiggins was going to be anything more than a one-inning guy. He might have been – they might have even made him their closer, you know, and, and used – they lost Tiger on the back end, and they're kind of – we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. They're kind of shuffling some, but no, I, I think Elliott's loss is the biggest injury so far in the league. Is, is Mallett's done for the year? Yes, Mallets is done for the year. Okay. Uh, they feel like Maddox will probably get back at some point. And I think they're, you know, pretty hopeful that that Elliot comes back halfway through league play ish. Yeah. But, you, know, you don't rush that. You don't and you don't want to get into that yeah. mindset either. Like with, you know, and, and Mike won't. Mike Bianco won't do that. He'll take care of, of Hunter, but you don't want as a team to go, hey, okay, is it is it this week that he comes back? Is it next week? And when he comes back, right, he's going to be the great savior. Well, when he comes back, he's going to have to, you know, the odds of of Hunter Elliott taking the ball on that first Friday and just going seven, not very high. I mean, you're going to have to build him back. You're going to have to take care of his arm. And so this pitching issue for them is something that they've got to get straight or else it's going to become a problem. And this is a big weekend for Ole Miss because you don't want to start one and five. Uh, you, you, you want to get... Yeah, you want to get to two and four here. And I'm looking at their schedule. We talked about Tennessee's. This is kind of another. Um, I've lost them for a minute. I mean, it, it's a murderer's it, row. It's Florida. It's at AM. It's Arkansas. It's at Mississippi State. It's LSU. That is that is brutal. Now they have they have done the <laughs> the walk the type rope thing last year and gotten into the tournament and and maybe. You get him in on the back end of the schedule. I think their lineup hits well enough. They can beat most anybody anytime, uh, despite what happened last weekend. But th that's one, man, you, you just hope that they can get to that point where they've got a chance with him back. Yeah, that's the goal. The goal for them is maybe be seven and eight at the turn, and you get him back and you make a run in the second half. And, you know, uh, yeah, they've, They'll certainly have the confidence that they can win in the postseason away from Oxford if it comes to that. We're, it's it's awfully early. Ole Miss could end up going nineteen and eleven and hosting. I'm not, but in a scenario where they don't, right? Yeah, they they the same lineup, a lot of the same lineup that ran through Coral Gables and Hattiesburg and Omaha is, is still there, so they know they can do it again. That won't be the end of the world if the, if they're not if they're not hosting. All right, the the 
nationally premier um, series is Arkansas at LSU. The uh, Razorbacks come into this series 19-2 and two overall. Uh, they've played 18 of their first 21 games at home. They're 17 and one at home, three and zero in the league. LSU, meanwhile, also 19 and two. LSU is 14 and zero at home, two and one in the league. They lost the uh, finale at Texas A&M. I mean, on paper, this is a really fun series. I think if you're Arkansas, mm-hmm. you can get one this weekend. You're 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 pretty pumped. Anything more than one, if you're Arkansas, it's a it's celebratory uh, because LSU is the best team in the league. LSU. I can't speak to the country, Chris, but LSU is the best team in the league. Yeah, I, I think without having seen Wake Forest, I, I have a hard time thinking Wake's better, but definitely the best team in the country. I think the thing is, like, can Arkansas? I mean, man, they got Wiggins out, they've got Frank is out, they've got Tiger is out, so that's the guy that was going to be maybe their Friday starter and their closer. And if they sit here top five in the country with that, and that's without a couple of their um, their lineup guys that you thought would have been their best guys hitting at the at the rate that you thought they could. Um, which here's what again, they've got speaks with their how ro- good of a coach Van Horn is. It it does their their rotation is Hunter Holland. Looking at the list here, Will McIntyre and Cody Adcock, and none of them have just like phenomenal numbers. But none of them have awful numbers, and then they've they've yeah. they've gone to Hagen Smith, who's probably their best pitcher at this point. Um, there's no probably to it; he is. Um, his ERA is one point one seven at this point, and they've started using him in a swing roll. He's got a little bit of a rubber arm. They used him on Friday, and then used him again as a closer on Sunday. Used him in sort of a long relief on on Friday to wrap up the first game, and then let him close an inning on on. Um, on Sunday to finish that series. So very clearly Van Horn is doing the thing with Smith where he goes, okay, well, we'll utilize him in a game where we feel like we can get it right. If, if you're, yeah. if you're ahead of LSU somehow on Friday or Saturday, you'll go to him earlier for a long relief outing and, and, and get a game and then figure out where you go from there. LSU on the other hand, the schemes, his numbers are just, Oh, they're outrageous. I mean, this guy in 30.1, 30 and a third, he has given up two doubles, no triples, no home runs, two wild pitches. He hit a batter. He is... um, His K percentage. Well, the, the big numbers. He struck out fifty four percent of the hitters he's that's faced. What was, which that's is, what I was getting to. 54%. That's like that's like above and beyond Edwin Diaz level a year ago, right? Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, balls on batted into play. Uh, he's giving up a two sixty seven, which is a remarkable number. His uh, yeah runs per nine innings is point six. You're going to win when you give up point six runs per nine innings. I mean, he's he's incredible, and so he he becomes that guy for them at the uh, at the top of the rotation. Who is that traditional? When we think about dominant teams, you know Vanderbilt with David Price, and uh, you know that kind of thing. You, you think about those kinds of arms, Ole Miss with um, 
Hunter Elliott last year with Delusia, the last half of the season, where you get that dominant arm on Friday night that sets the tone for the entire weekend. He's tremendous so far. I lose your audio. Yeah, and you know the other thing. Um, you remember you did for a minute. Do you, do you remember how much they kicked the ball around the infield last year? Yeah, they were sloppy last year. Yeah. Guess who's leading the league in fielding percentage right now? It's LSU at 989, yeah. which also helps your pitchers. Yeah, I mean, their lineup is is incredible. Um, Cruz is probably, I don't know if he's going to be 1-1 or not, if he's going to be really close. Uh, that That's who I would take. Yeah. Um, their, their newcomers are hitting for them a little bit. Uh, Tommy White, he's just gone off, gotten off being hurt. I think he won Player of the Week, did he not? Um, the kid well, his, who no, his numbers are pretty. At, his numbers are pretty good right now. Um, you know, Gavin Dugas has been there forever. Um, you mentioned guys, yeah. and Jared Jones, the young players hitting hitting really well right now. I mean, they they they're they are a talented team. I don't know that they are the deepest lineup in the league, but when you have when you have the top of the lineup and the middle of the lineup like they have, it just for a pitcher. If you make a mistake at the bottom of the lineup, you're like, oh God, I'm gonna pay for this in a minute because we're turning we're flipping the lineup over. And I don't yeah. know that there are too many arms in the league that can face that lineup a third time and survive it. Well, here's what I worry about from Arkansas's perspective this weekend. The guys that they're gonna be throwing out of the front end, Hunter Holland and Will McIntyre, are kind of pitch to contact guys mm -hmm. with the with the heavy fly ball tilt. That's two of the three guys they're gonna be throwing against. LSU, I don't know that that's what I want to run with in their park. Now, he doesn't have a choice at this point, right? And I think the way that he is using um, Hagen Smith, Hagen Smith in, in kind of the – I don't know if the Landon Sims role is the right way to put it, but it, it worked for them pretty well last weekend, and I think it's it's a smart way to do it. But that that is um, – I think there's going to be some anxious moments in that one. That that's going to be a tough one for Arkansas to get. Now, I think if you if you give them a, a couple of guys, a couple of arms, kind of like Ole Miss last weekend, the series starts to tilt a little bit more. But I wonder if that's one that could go pretty sideways quickly, especially if they can't get their first couple starters through games. Oh, I think so. I think if you told Dave Van Horn today that he could get one game, I think he'd take it. I don't. I don't. I don't think he'd ask any yeah. questions because I don't. I don't know what the rest of their schedule is too. the next few weekends, but. Uh, if if you're Arkansas and you you get Auburn at home and then at LSU and you walk away from that four and two, you're 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 pretty pleased uh, because you you've you've gotten ahead. Like I don't I don't have their numbers in front of me, but um, in terms of who they play in the next few weekends, but you, you would take that. So if they could get one, I mean I'm sure he looked at that Sunday game against Texas A and M and said, well maybe we could pull that off. Or here's the thing about Arkansas as we wrap is that offensively they're a little better than they were a year ago. Um, yeah. And so, you know, LSU, LSU's bullpen has not been lights out. They kind of give up some runs late. So they've got, they've got, it's got a chance to be an interesting series, but um, I, I think it's one that, that LSU will control. Yeah. AM got to Christian Little, their closer, last weekend and, and hit him a little bit. And that's the one game that they lost. But again, I, I look at LSU and the thing that, 
the thing that makes him tough, the, the lineup is as good as anybody's, but yeah. behind Skeens, they've got dudes too. They've got Thatcher Hurd, who was a stud at, at UCLA. Uh, Garrett Edwards has pitched really well for them. Ty Floyd's pitched pretty well. Um, the Akin Houston kid, I think that they got two Juco transfers out of their bullpen. That's one of them. Uh, they got Riley Cooper, who's the big kid, the big lefty, who's, you know, kind of a, a strike thrower, which is good to, to have when you're in tournament play, uh, especially with that lineup. Uh, you just need guys to, to eat innings, and he'll do that. I mean, and they, and they got kids like Blake Money who've had big roles for them in the past that can pitch that they're not even having to get to yet. That's the thing that scares me about LSU, Neil. It's not just the lineup. It's that I think that they've got a lot of pitching depth, and uh, th- th- those guys are all going to have a cushion to, to work with, I think. Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's a little early to go crazy with this, but they look like a national title team. They look like they've got every piece. If they're not the best team in the country, I'd be floored. They've got every piece you would want to to uh, go into the postseason. Chris, uh, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate you doing this. Uh, enjoy uh, your weekend, and I uh, hope you continue to feel better, and we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Hey, thanks, Neil. That's Chris Lee of um, Southeastern 14. You can catch his work on that site each and every week. Also, uh, VandySports.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.